because we are spiritual beings and we are energetic beings, but we're also animals. Mm -hmm. We also have a body and we have a mind. And within that mind has all kinds of fucking layers that make up who we are. And as we start to dig into them and understand them, we can also start to really tap in and harness like the power and the capability that comes with that. And it results in what we're speaking of, which is trusting that you don't have to think about what you're going to say next. You don't have to have the next question ready. You don't have to worry about how you're presenting yourself to your tribe or your family or your boss or on your podcast. Cause you know that you have done the work and that you've learned enough and that you are still humble enough to just acknowledge that you can fucking do this and you don't need to stress about it. I really can't think of anything more important than waking up to your true self. I mean, once you do that, every single thing in your life changes. It's like a whole new world opens up. I used to look at my life and think, there has got to be more. There is, and this is it. I'm Paige, and this is Spiritual Twenties. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 28 of Spiritual 20s. My name is Paige, and today's episode really, really hit home for me, and I know it will for so many of you, especially coming after our last conversation with David Cruz on a new way of being. I couldn't have planned this any better if I tried. In this episode, I was joined by Autumn Aspen and Ian Mills, and we talked about mastering duality, how we can be that person who wears all of the different hats. We talked about how we are and should be multifaceted beings. We talked about how embracing all of these polarizing aspects of ourselves is difficult, but it's necessary for us to step into this rich and fulfilling life because we weren't meant to just be one thing. We were meant to embrace all of these different aspects of self even when they're in contrast with each other. And so we each shared our own journeys of coming to terms with our dualistic nature. We covered authenticity, what it really means, how we should really be identifying ourselves. We talked about presence, self-trust, and self-forgiveness, how these are necessary components for our growth and creating this new and infinitely better way of being. Autumn, Ian, and I met through our tribe led by Aubrey Marcus called Fit for Service and I am so honored to announce that Autumn and Ian have now created their own community that I am humbled to be serving in called The Bridge Between. The Bridge Between is a community built to bring together individuals who are ready to step into their inherent gifts, receive support, and experience deep connection with others who are also on this journey of self-discovery. Applications are open. I, of course, have all of that linked in the show notes. Autumn and Ian are going to introduce themselves in the episode, but to set you up, Autumn Aspen's passion lies in healing of the self through the inner doorways of breath, somatic experience, and energy work. 
and Ian Mills is a yoga and meditation instructor and embodiment coach and the host of the Ian Mills podcast. Like I said, I knew this conversation was going to be good, but it really hit me on a deep level and I am so excited to be sharing it with you. So as always, I would love to hear how this episode lands with you. You can find me on Instagram at page.oxley. You can find Autumn and Ian on Instagram. I will link their handles in the show notes. And without further ado, here is Autumn Aspen and Ian Mills on Mastering Duality. Okay, welcome Autumn and Ian. Thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having us, Paige. Thank it's you, such Paige. Such a pleasure. Of course. Why don't you guys start by telling us a bit about yourselves? Sure. Yeah. So my name is Autumn, and I am a mix of a human. Um, I, I don't really know how to define myself truthfully. I think a lot of us struggle with that. Um, but a little bit of what things are happening in my life right now. Um, I'm a breathwork facilitator. And a lot of my passion within life has really been in finding spaces where I'm able to connect with people really deeply. And so breathwork feels like such a powerful way to do that. And I did that for a long time through um, some other avenues. My background is actually in physics and engineering and business. And I found that um, I was trying to do that connecting work through those modalities, but then found that one-on-one um, -on -one was really the way that I felt like I was able to share what it was that I was born to be doing on this planet. And so, um, yeah, so that has really led me into a place where right now um, Ian and I are stepping into this really exciting project that feels like the culmination of learning how to bring the pieces of myself that have been a little bit neglected or forgotten through those past pieces of physics and engineering and business and um, bringing them together with this, this recognition of what it is that my soul wants to be doing. Mm -hmm. And so those things are coming together right now through this project that we're working on called The Bridge Between. And um, the essence of that is really, the foundation is community and connection and the recognition that in our world right now, that's not really built in to the system, that ability to really deeply connect. We don't really have tribe. We don't have um, that interconnected web of people that we're relying on and that we're with on a day-to-day -day basis or allowing ourselves to really be held by or holding. And so this is a remembering of how important that is and how that's completely written into our DNA, that it's beyond just something that's a nice to have, that it's something that our evolutionary biology is written in a way where it wants that so deeply, like the deepest yearning in all the cells of my body, know that that's something that's needed. So that is the current path and we are stepping full force into that right now. Oh yeah. 
Uh, thank you, Ian. I feel like I'm so ready to jump in. Ian, quick, tell us things about you. Yeah, my name is Ian Mills. Um, I am, I also have many hats as Autumn does. Uh, in more recent years, I've been stepping into uh, the role of a yoga instructor, meditation instructor, um, an embodiment coach, and a coach for men around masculine and feminine integration. Uh, I also host, host a podcast. And really, all of that, like Autumn has said, has kind of began to flow together and interweave and intertwine into this new project that we're working on, the bridge between and uh, it really feels as though all of those experiences and all of those hats and modalities that I've used to connect with others and used to, to be of service to others and to myself were just like little pieces of this puzzle that kind of led us up to this moment um, of meeting in Sedona after having the seed planted for this for this container with uh, our dear sister Faye. And since that moment, like everything's aligned and, and the, the, the vision of this has compounded and expanded and fractaled into something that is far, far beyond what it began as. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's pretty much it for myself. I feel, I also feel really ready to dive into this, but I'm also open to answering any other questions you feel like I might've missed. No, no, I'm excited because you said something that is a sentence that I've said my whole life and I haven't thought about it in a long time and it's all the hats that we wear. And the three of us have bonded over the fact that we are people who wear a lot of hats and we're people who struggle with the changing of the hats and how frequently we change them and how we reconcile being, you know, the person with this hat and the person with this hat that sometimes feels like the exact opposite. And so I love that you said that, that phrase, because it's something that we hear. And, and I was thinking about this recently even for the three of us are people who consider ourselves to be somebody who wears a lot of hats. Everybody, I think right now, especially in this time that we live in has become an expert shapeshifter, right? We have so many masks. We have to be one person, right? This is really prominent right now, actually with the holidays, because what happens when people go home for the holidays, they get right back into their familial roles that might feel so different from how I feel so different from who I was growing up. But the second we're around our family or the people we grew up with, we tend to fall right back into those roles. And so we have this one mask for the family. We have one mask for these friends. We have one mask for our fit for service community. We have one mask for the people in our faith community, whatever it may be. We have all of these masks, one mask, one big mask for social media, right? And so, yeah, I think that this is just a really good place to open up this conversation and set it up that what we're talking about and why I'm so excited about the bridge between and what you guys are building is because it is something that we all wrestle with. We all wrestle with the different masks that we're wearing and the different hats and how do we be both and can we be both? And 
what the three of us adamantly agree on is that you can. And in fact, yes, that's what we want. We want everybody to be this whole integrated person. And sometimes I think, I think all the time, we just need support around that because it's really not particularly obvious how to be the person who went to an Ivy League school and studied physics and then also as a breathwork practitioner, you know, things like that. That's it's a difficult duality. And so I'd love to just hear your initial thoughts on maybe your journey of realizing, okay, I am this person that wears these different hats and I'm struggling with that. Yeah, we've kind of all been born, I think, into this system in this society that doesn't really encourage us to be a multifaceted being. Mm -hmm. And what I, what I feel that that looks like for a lot of people. And I think that COVID isolation, quarantine, and the mass shutdowns have brought this up for a lot of people is when you tie up all of your identity with one piece of yourself. Like if I'm a lawyer and that is where my identity exists is within my job. And I spend 60 to 80 hours a week doing this thing. And my ego expands to the point where it's sitting in the driver's seat entirely. And it is entirely identified with this one aspect of myself. If that gets taken away from you and you haven't yet explored the other facets of what it means to be a human, you are left as a shell. You've, you've suddenly been stripped of everything that you've, you've known for your entire life. And I feel like for me personally, I've always kind of had the recognition that I was much, much more than the thing that I was doing. And so as a, as a teenager, and then like, I, you know, I started working right away when I was 16. And by the time I was 18, I was, um, my first career path was as a chef and I was in the city running kitchens. And that eventually shifted into the other side. And I was like bartending and running bars, but um, I was always like very fluid with what I did for work because none of it felt like an identity. Right. And so I would spend summers whitewater rafting and then I would go travel for six months in Central America and just this kind of uh, ever expanding evolution of who I was and like what the hats were that I wore. And, but even, even with that, even never like tying myself to this particular vocation or identity, I still felt that kind of mm, like disconnect from my soul. Mm -hmm. I was still questioning, like, who am I? What am I supposed to do? I could do literally anything. I've done literally, not literally everything, but I've done right. a lot of things and I did it all in a very short amount of time. And I lived like within six years of my life, I lived a, like a really, really rich and full life. And I traveled to different countries and I met and fell in love with a bunch of people. And I had, I've had some really beautiful experiences, but underneath that was still this like longing for purpose. And I got the first taste of that when I started teaching yoga and meditation. And that was like, this is a way I can be of service to other people because I really think that at the, at the core of every person is this desire to do something for somebody else. 
like when our when our ego isn't in the driver's seat and i don't mean to say that i don't have an ego i mean I, right. i'm like wearing like a deep cut v-neck t-shirt and, <laughs> and shit like i definitely have an ego but it's more that recognition that that is just a very small aspect of the capital s self and when we can take that out of the driver's seat i think that what we find is that what we really desire is to connect with others build community be of service and so this idea of like wearing many hats and being a multifaceted being is a beautiful thing because it makes for a really, really rich and fulfilling life. Like that's what we're here to do as humans is to experience and to learn and to really um, like have a great fucking time while we're here. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's the whole point. Right. And I think when we get tied into one thing, that's when we start missing that point. And all of this to say that all of the facets that I've found in my life are now always where I've realized that at the core of that was like, I want to connect with other people. I want like when I was cooking, like I want to make really, really good food that makes people happy. When I was bartending, like I want to make fantastic drinks, but I also want to connect with the people at the bar and I want to talk to them. When I was whitewater rafting, it's like, yeah, this is fucking fun, no doubt. But I get to hang out with like 20 different people every single day and drop in with them. And when I'm teaching yoga and meditation, it's like, oh, I actually get to hold really powerful space for people to connect back to who they really are. Mm -hmm. And I've, and I think that, I think that that kind of drive exists within every person and it shows up in different ways. I mean, you can do that as a plumber or an electrician, or you can do that as an accountant because it's all like, you're always being of service to somebody else. And I think the real trick is to just find the things that like light you up that are also that. And that's really what we want to provide the space for at the bridge between is that it doesn't matter what you do as your vocation necessarily. We want to obviously be helping people ideally with it, but it doesn't matter what you do. Like it matters who you are beneath it. And we're really just trying to cultivate the space to allow people to see who they are beneath the kind of veil of the ego and the identity, like the self-identity. I'm not sure if I answered your question and that was a very long-winded response, but I'll pass the mic over to Autumn. Mm, I loved hearing about all of that, like all of the different pieces of the puzzle. Um, when we start looking back on ourselves, it becomes so obvious and so alarmingly clear how we are so many different things. Um, and when I think back to when I was a kid, like when I was really like, were seeing me or perceiving me, I was way more polarized. <laughs> I was like really happy. And then I was really inquisitive. And then I was really serious. And then I was really sad. And then I was really angry. And I was all of these different things. And it just depended on what environment I was in that was pulling those things out and that I was interacting with them in that fluid way. And the thing is, when you're a child, you're, you're existing inherently naturally how a human being is born into the world to exist before there's those expectations around what somebody else might think about what that looks like. And because of the fact that our culture is really built in these ways where if you fit into this box, 
you will be valued and value equals love when you start boiling it down and you start looking at if I'm valued people will care about me people will want me around I will feel included I will be connected I will feel loved and so we are living in a system where that is prevalent in so many different places we look at even you know the way that we're raised in schools we have these very this very specific curriculum that after most of us get out of high school it's like oh how many of those things do I use in my life Mm, probably was more about um, some other foundational things that that were happening that had less to do with um cultivating interests within myself that actually aligned with who I am and what's of best value to the world to be of best service to the world. And um, yeah, so now as an adult, I feel a lot of fear around the fact that I'm a breathwork facilitator. And so when I'm in that role, I am dropped all the way into my heart. I'm not being very much at all connected to the logical cognitive space. I'm feeling all the way. I'm just in a space with someone where I'm feeling what's happening. And if I were to do that with someone who knows me as a business person, that would be very jarring um, for me because of what I would expect it to feel like for them that they would be like you're not the person I thought you were why are you acting like this this feels different this feels like there's something here where you're not being genuine and I think that's the piece that um, that scares me about it is this this fear internally that people are going to think I'm not being genuine that I'm pretending that I'm putting something on because I don't look the same as I did when I was in this other role when I was wearing this other hat that somehow that means that there's something within me that's not fully integrated that's not fully aligned that's not um like fully present the way that we talk about politicians and we say they flip-flop because they didn't stick to the one thing that they always said that they would be And I feel that we have that in our culture with our relationships with humans as well, that it's like, well, I guess politicians are also humans. (laughs) 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 People that we interact with on a daily basis, that feeling of if I don't show up exactly the same way with this person, they're not going to trust me. They're not going to include me. They're not going to accept me um, in, and I won't feel loved. I won't feel part of. And so um, I think that, a big piece of me has just felt like this is the, that's the part that needs the little bridge. Like that's the place where the bridge needs to be built is where we can actually look at each other and we can accept each other as these beings that are polar, like we are polarized. We are multifaceted. We can be one thing one day and we can be another thing the next day and that we can be loved for being both of those things. Wow. I'm having kind of an epiphany. I'm not going to lie. I'm really realizing how that's definitely a fear that I've had in me for as long as I can remember about, I am the queen of dualities. I have always felt that with everything, just down to the most superficial, basic, basic level. It's like, I 
desperately want to be out in the wide open nowhere. And I'm also a city girl, like down to the most superficial level, however you need, whatever image you need to conjure. But yeah, I've also grew up where being a fake and being a phony and flip-flopping is that those are all big no-nos and that's something to really be avoided. The epiphany came from is connecting one of my core value words that I say in literally every episode of authenticity and how I think that our society has gotten confused to say that authenticity is showing up the same way all the time. And I think that I, when I say our society, I think also me, Paige, I've been confused about that before. And actually authenticity is showing up in fully expressed in who you are right now. And I think that you guys did such a beautiful job of setting this conversation up and and everything that you said, because it's really, we're creating a new, new definitions here right? Because Ian, you said two big like $10 words that I'm so glad that you said of identity and purpose. Because, right, so identity, how do we define ourselves? We have to move away from defining ourselves by a thing and then tie that into purpose. Everybody spends all this time, I got to go find my purpose. I got to go find my purpose and expect that it's going to be one thing. Expect that it's going to be, okay, I found it. My purpose is to be a yoga teacher. Okay, I found it. My purpose is to be a manager, right? Whatever it is. Okay, I found it. And it's this one thing. And both of those, how we identify ourselves and our purpose in life, I do not believe are a thing. Your job, your purpose is to live your soul's fullest expression of yourself. That's it. Mm -hmm. And bringing that back to Autumn, what you said about how that is polarity and that's okay. And I think that, I guess I'm just realizing how much more airtime a conversation like this needs and how I'm so glad, you know, that you guys are creating this space and that we're having this conversation now around what it really means to be an aligned and authentic human. And that doesn't mean that, Autumn, when you're in a conversation, when you're in a a business conversation, it's actually not really appropriate or would behoove both people in the situation for you to be fully dropped into your heart space, right? And so that doesn't mean that you're not showing up as authentically you. It means that that's the hat that's appropriate to wear. And that's, you can be authentically business autumn, and then you can be authentically meditation instructor autumn, right? And I think that that should really be the goal instead of trying to fit ourselves into this box and say, okay, I will always show up as this looking person because that there's no way, right? And we grow and we change so much. I don't want to always be the same person. Yeah. And I think that um, that process when you talked about that, as soon as you were saying, you know, you can't be dropped into your heart all the way, Autumn, when you're in a business conversation, I, I felt this twinge of like, mm, like, I don't quite understand because there's something unsettled within me that still hasn't totally figured out how I do want to show up in those spaces. Um, so I think giving ourselves that grace that it's like, we don't, we don't have to know 
what exactly those versions of us look like, but we can have the flexibility and the trust in ourselves that we can be curious. And I know that the way that I show up in business takes other parts, right? It takes these other pieces. And um, my, that I loved the way that you talked about, like the purpose is to be your soul's expression, like your fullest expression of what your soul wants, because that was what was coming up for me was this feeling, this recognition that my purpose is not something external. It's actually an internal feeling that there is a feeling inside that I can experience that is like the, the green light that says that I, I'm on purpose when I'm experiencing that feeling. And that can look like a million different things externally. And when I think of the way that I approach how to express that in different scenarios, it is, it's nebulous. And it's not this clear path because there's all of these different components of learning who I am in those different situations that I don't really know yet how I want to show up. And I think that if I did, it would be boring because right. on deathbed, if I look back, I'm not going to be saying, you know, I should have been worrying about whether or not I had had that figured out or not. I'm going to be thinking, I wish I had dropped in fully and like really accepted myself for where I was in that moment. Cause I never actually got to where I thought I was going to get. Um, and so I think in terms of this whole experience of stepping into trusting that we are these multidimensional creatures that have all of these different expressions that even within each of those different ones, they're going to morph and change. And we're going to do this clunky little dance of learning how we want to be within those. Like when I think about how I want to be in a business setting, it actually does connect to my heart pretty deeply, but there are these other elements of understanding the language of taking the concepts and the, under, and the cognitive wisdom that I have within that space and actually more in a sense intelligence and through that connection to my heart it becomes wisdom so that I can offer it in that way and I still don't know how to do that <laughs> but I am up for the challenge of learning how and allowing myself that space to to learn how to do that. I love that and what's coming up for me too is this how we integrate this, how do we begin to approach what's worked for me lately is being fully present in each moment and each conversation and each interaction and just not really thinking about how I'm supposed to be in that interaction, in that situation, in that conversation. And what I found is that, for example, in this conversation right now, because we're in this podcast setting, right? I automatically, because my only focus is connecting to you two, but there also is this element of the fact that I am here hosting a podcast, I automatically have my podcast host hat on, but I'm not thinking about while you guys are talking, it's not going through my head of, okay, 
what the next good question to ask would be. And I'm not, you know, dashing anybody for saying for if that is what's going through your head, because that definitely used to be what my mind would be doing when I'd be in a conversation with somebody, I'd be thinking about how I should respond so that they can see me in a certain way, right? So whichever that situation is, if I'm in a more spiritual setting with people like maybe our tribe, I would be thinking about how, what I could say and how I could appear so that they would see me as this spiritually in touch aligned person. And if I'm in my corporate job, I would have been thinking about how I could stand and how I could speak so that they would see me as this, you know, business acumen person. And so I find that we, we really navigate that well, when we put that egoic voice in our head aside and say, actually, you know what, I don't really need you anymore. Let me just totally lock in on whatever this is and just see how I show up. And because if nothing else, it's kind of like somebody said to me once, you could try anything for two, me- for two weeks or two months. Like what's, what's the harm? Hopefully your life is going to be much longer than two weeks or two months, right? So in the grand scheme of things, why don't you just try it? Why don't you just try being fully dropped into whatever it is that you're doing? And, and when that voice comes up and tries to talk to you about how you should show up and what you should look like and what mask you should put on, can you just say, hey, thanks, I hear you, I'm grateful for you, but I don't need you right now. I'm actually paying attention to Autumn and Ian and that's it. And I think that maybe that is the best antidote that I found. Yeah, it's like just keeping in this discussion of being multifaceted, I think a big part of what you're speaking of is really learning how to trust yourself in the moment, like what's coming up. Needing to think of who you need to be, but actually being what's coming up because your intuition knows like if you're trusting and you're present and you're in the flow you know what needs to be next you know what to say you know what you need to put on and there's a lot of layers to that um one of them being if we live multifaceted lives if we try things for two weeks or for two months or for two years we get better at learning how to do things and as we get better at learning how to do things it gets easier to learn how to do anything and as it gets easier to learn how to do anything and we know how to do more things we trust ourselves much more because we know like i know i'm capable of doing things because i've tried a lot and i've done a lot and i've learned a lot and i've practice to the point of mastery in some things and there comes a sense of confidence from that that you just know that you are going to do the right thing and there's another layer to that which is getting a little deeper into the psyche and that is the layer of these aspects of archetypes and as we learn how to under, as we un, learn how to unpack and understand like what these kind of archetypal forces are within ourselves, we can start to notice that certain ones are coming up in certain situations and really learn how to trust them. And the two, I mean, the two biggest ones, speaking of this idea of polarity, are the masculine and the feminine. And so those show up in a lot of different ways, but the beautiful thing about them 
is we, we, while we tend to think of them as opposite, and while we might even tie them up with women being feminine and men being masculine, they actually coalesce and they intertwine in a way where neither can exist without the other. It's not like they're opposite sides of a thing. It's like they're interwoven together. And really to be fully embodied in one, we also have to be fully embodied in the other. Like for me to be able to have this conversation with you, for me to speak, to actively produce words, to use language, that is a masculine quality of doing. That's me like taking what is coming through, coming through my heart and through my mind and through my gut, my intuition, it's taking that and turning it into like a physical thing, into like an action. But that comes from the combination of being in my feminine, which is the being, which is the knowing and the feeling and the trusting. So I have to trust myself to know that I'm going to say the right thing. I have to trust that I'm going to be open and vulnerable and honest. And then I also have to channel that into the masculine, which is doing the thing and speaking the thing and being vocal about it. And in this, in these like hats of, of the masculine and feminine, they come out in many different ways. And there's, the, and the reason that there's this kind of divisiveness and tension between men and women so often is largely, I believe, because we are ignoring one half of ourself. As men, we are so often ignoring the feminine side of ourselves, which is the part that wants us to feel and wants us to be and rest and wants us to like be held and soft and just wants to like wildly express our emotions, cry, scream, all of the things. We shut that part of ourselves off because it's not, because the masculine is very much like structured. It's grounded. It's not, it, it's like remaining level-headed at all times, which as we know for many men leads to being like blowing their fucking top and exploding in fits of rage and emotion. And the, and there's a big separation there because by, by not acknowledging that I as a man have feminine energy and if Autumn does not acknowledge that she has masculine energy, we are effectively ignoring an entire half of who we are as energetic beings. And then within those archetypes, like just speaking, like what we're doing now, we are in the magician and the priestess, we're using language, we're casting spells, we're literally time traveling. <laughs> like people are going to listen to our words in, I don't know, days or weeks or whatever it is, but we are currently creating spells that people visceral impact on somebody's day on somebody's life on somebody's psyche like and that is the power that we're always always that always exists within us and we've kind of bastardized it and made it something that we don't we don't acknowledge how powerful we are as human beings like we have that ability that no other species on earth has and that's the ability that's the power of our language like we can write books that will be read for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years we can record podcasts that could be listened to for time immemorial you know as long as the digital <laughs> <laughs> like 
we have so much power and as we start to really dig into our psyche because we are spiritual beings and we are energetic beings but we're also animals Mm -hmm. we also have a body and we have a mind and within that mind has all kinds of fucking layers that make up who we are and as we start to dig into them and understand them we can also start to really tap in and harness like the power and the capability that comes with that and it results in what we're speaking of which is trusting that you don't have to think about what you're going to say next You don't have to have the next question ready. You don't have to worry about how you're presenting yourself to your tribe or your family or your boss or on your podcast because you know that you have done the work and that you've learned enough and that you are still humble enough to just acknowledge that you can fucking do this and you don't need to stress about it. Oh, I love that. And here's the thing about how powerful we are, right? We're powerful because we have all of these different archetypes and all of these different facets within us. I'm trying to think of an, an animal or a creature that's a good example of that they just have one job, right? I mean, you know, that's really oversimplifying it, but you guys get what I'm saying. Other creatures, like you said, do not have. We are so lucky. We're the only beings that have this human body and this human experience. And our power lies in that that we don't have to just be the one thing because we're choosing to be everything, but that's a new choice. It's a very new choice to the world. The, the old paradigm of the world wanted us to say, okay, I am a baker. And so I get up every day and I play with some dough and I put it in the oven. <laughs> that's what bakers do, right? They just play with the dough and put it in the oven. <laughs> Sorry for the bakers out there. <laughs> but right, we have all of these different facets of us. And that is why I love that you spoke to the fact that we really are so powerful and we are casting spells with our words, which is something that I could talk about. That could be a whole other tangent, why we should be careful with our words and be careful of what we put our I am's on and I have's on. But again, that's a conversation for another time. But I think that, yeah, bringing it back to this conversation of duality and this conversation of identity and purpose and these themes that we've talked about is that it is the when we choose to say, yes, I am actually going to, even though it is more complicated and even though it is going to be tricky, I am going to choose to embrace all of these different aspects of myself and embrace this polarity and know that sometimes that confuses me and sometimes I get tripped up and I love how you said Autumn that it's it's clunky sometimes like we just feel a little like goof I don't know if I navigated that right but then again what you said Ian and who it's okay It, it doesn't have to be this big super serious thing we don't have to be perfect every single time we show up and that was another thing I thought of while one of you were talking, I think it was you, Ian, about, yeah, just giving ourselves permission to not have to be perfect in every single interaction and in every single time we show up for anything. That's another hurdle that we have to overcome if we want to choose to live this way, which the three of us are highly advocating for, of embracing all the different aspects, the dualities, the archetypes of ourselves, that you're going to have to just come to an understanding that you're not going to get it perfect every single time. And that would be boring if you did. 
and it's also not always like it doesn't always feel good right into this like basically we're living in this space is like breaking down every construct that's been built up throughout your life from your parents maybe depending on who your parents were but generally speaking Mm -hmm. this is really going against what we are taught and what we've been taught is deeply ingrained inside of ourselves and we are we conceptualize things and so the the trouble in that not the trouble but just what we have to work through in that is that what we feel emotionally and instinctively is a part of a piece of us that's much 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 older than our mind than our than our like thinking mind our prefrontal cortex our storyteller mind those are pieces of us that are much older than that the emotions and the feelings like we've been experienced though experiencing those since before we were humans but now we have this other piece of us that can identify a thing as good or bad, that can identify an emotion as right or wrong, that can tie up a story with why we're feeling that emotion. So as we begin to shift away from the idea that we are one thing and that we are meant to be one thing, as we begin to shift into this lens of maybe I am beyond what my title is. Maybe I am beyond being a mother or a father or a boyfriend or a husband or a wife. Maybe I am more than this thing. As we begin to shift away from that, the, it, it's scary. It's fucking scary. And it's even shameful sometimes because we feel like we're letting people down and we're, and we're changing. We're and we're, we're, yeah, we're being fake, exactly. And those feelings that come up are natural. Like, it's okay. All of the feelings that we're having are beautiful there are parts of they're part of millions and millions of years of adaptation and evolution like they're a piece of us but when we start wrapping up labels of good or bad or when we start tying tying a story to it like oh I feel this way because I'm a bad person because I did that thing and I let this person down and I and I told that person I was this that one time and now I'm this and like one of the biggest things I've had to work through for myself personally is that as a teenager and a younger adult, like in my really early 20s, um, my biggest kind of coping mechanism was to find external sources of love and validation through sex, through relationships. And a big part of that was unintentional, but it was like this objectification of the women that I was with because it wasn't like, it wasn't for connection. It was to fill this kind of void that's inside of myself. And as a coach for men and in this new role, a big part of that is me like actively, as I actively heal that within myself. And as I bring myself into a new way of being, I'm actively helping other people and helping them step into a new space of being. And I've had to work through this really, really, really big piece of my past that is like, oh, I'm a fucking phony because I'm saying all of this stuff, but look at how you behaved for the last 10 years. Like that does not, what you have done in your past does not, is not um, reflective of who you are saying you are now. So there's this big piece of myself and of everyone's self that really has to work through this idea that as you change and as you evolve, 
you have to be able to forgive yourself for what you have been and what you have done and who you have been in the past. And as those parts die, it's like physically painful sometimes. And it's, it's so, it can be so fucking hard. And I think that's why so often we're like sucked back into the past because we can feel like phonies and liars for being something else. And that is the old idea of authenticity. It's like, like, I remember hearing the phrase a lot, like once a cheater, always a cheater. I was just going to say that. I was just going to say that. So it's like, okay, yeah. So I did this thing once that like objectively is morally wrong. I will admit like, that's not a good thing to do. If there's, if you've had the conversation and you've acknowledged like, Hey, we're in a monogamous relationship. We're not going to do that. But then to say that once you are that thing, you are always that thing is completely out of authenticity because it's, it's kind of, um, it's not allowing you to be anything else than what you've been in the past. And that piece of you that cheated on your partner is not who you are at the core. That's a piece of you that needed to cope with something. That's a piece of you that needed a way to feel better. And in a world where anxiety and depression and suicide rates are literally multiplying by like 100% every year, especially in younger generations, good job. Like, thank fucking God you found something that works for you, that allowed you to survive. Like, so grateful that you found a way to make life okay. And the question now, as we shift, is do you want to keep that thing? Or do you want to find Mm -hmm. a new way to feel better? And I think that is a big part of what this bridge is, of the bridge between is there's an old way of doing things, which is numbing and running and escaping alcohol and substance and relationships and anything that fills that void. And there's a new way of being, which is feeling it and allowing it to pass through and acknowledging it and growing from it and healing it and using that to heal somebody else. And there are new drugs that work way better and they're breath work and yoga and connection and meditation and journaling and plant medicines to really explore the depths of yourself and your psyche. And they're like, we're shifting into a new way of being Mm -hmm. and it's painful and it's beautiful. Yeah. I think um, I just want to bring this full circle because the thing that keeps standing out to me as you're talking is that what it feels like is happening is that we are coming to terms with the fact that we are immortal or we are not immortal creatures. And so we have death integrated into everything that we do. And so as we like we're constantly changing and evolving and growing and really this process right now that we're in is the bringing of the masculine and the feminine together because those words they sound like they're related to something about being a man or a woman and so I wish we could just like replace them with right ball of yarn and toy car or something yeah. <laughs> because it's, it's right. like they're not they're not 
like that. They're these very objective things, but really what those forces are, I think of them similar to like electricity and magnetism. So it's this thing where it's these forces that exist within us. And we've been in a culture and in a world where there is so much dominance around the force of the masculine, of structure, of building, of creating. And so when we're in that, if we get attached to it, when the feminine comes into release and to create the chaos and the movement and the creation of the new and the cycling, the cyclical nature of how it is to exist, that feels really overwhelming and tumultuous. And so for someone who's very identified with that masculine essence within, so that can be a man or a woman. Um, I know for me personally, I've had a huge struggle with this throughout my life is that I get attached because I'm like, I built this whole thing. I've been working on this thing for a long time, whatever it is, it's my personality. It's my job. It's, you know, whatever the thing is that I've been spending all of my time cultivating when that energy of the cyclical nature of life comes in and it wants to refresh and renew and take that thing to its next level by breaking it down again and then building it back up, we get really scared. And so what it feels like is being asked of us right now is this shift where we're coming out of this time of really, really heavy exposure to that masculine energy and coming into a place where we're allowing the two to meet So it's not about the feminine energy coming in and taking over and being the new way. It's about creating the balance between the two so that we can accept that as we're moving through our lives, we're constantly in a space where whatever we are building today will eventually die. That doesn't mean we don't build. That means that the process of building is in service to something so much greater than the thing that we're building yeah and I love talking about it in that birth and death conversation because it's painful right now because we're in the birthing canal and giving birth is really painful (laughs) I have not experienced it myself yet but I think that we all have heard enough testimonies to say that giving birth is a really painful experience And so right now we are in that birthing canal and even for us going through the birthing canal, not to get too graphic, but that's a really think about what the body is like contorting itself. And it's not comfortable for the baby in the birthing situation either. And so we're in this uncomfortable space. And I loved how both of you did such a beautiful job of, of describing it. But I think that Yeah, this whole conversation has been such medicine and I know it will be to other people too because Ian, what you said about what I was going to say with that once a cheater, always a cheater. I think that that is a really good microcosm of this whole conversation. For me personally, how I've transformed in the last hour of realizing really that phrase has always really been a problem for me. It, it has always made me physically uncomfortable, like I get hives. And maybe that's because I've been on both sides of that coin and there's shame there. But I think more so because of the fact that it really scares me to think about needing to define myself in one way. It's the same reason now that I'm talking 
as why I've always had such a struggle with social media, because I really have a problem with, we look at somebody's Instagram page and we think we know everything about them, right? And I always have, I feel so dualistic and I feel like I have all of these different majorly contrasting polarizing sides of myself and I never knew how to reconcile that and so these kind of phrases that are just built into our vocabulary like once a cheater always a cheater and you know the way that we get a job and stick to it or that our parents did and our grandparents did that was the norm always really shook something in me on a deep level that I'm just now learning to find the words for and this conversation has been really beautiful and experiencing how deep those pro that programming runs and I think that something that has been a theme through this whole conversation is underneath all of the masks I really believe both of you said it just in who you are which I love that both of you, I know that you didn't plan this or think about it because you didn't have to. And I have a similar answer. And just asking, tell us a bit about, about yourselves. Both of you talked about how you crave and need deep connection. And I have always felt that as well. And I've also struggled, which we've talked about before. I know this is true for at least you, Ian, and I think you too, Autumn the lone wolfness and the feeling of isolation. And actually, I, sometimes I feel like I'd prefer to be in solitude. And I think that the reason why I bring that back up is to tie it back into how important community is. And not just community like the people that live in your town. The three of us are from very different places, very different backgrounds, but we are deeply connected because we're connected on our values and we're connected on our purpose and we're connected on our beliefs. And so I would love for you guys to bring us home by talking about how people can find bridge between because I think and I believe that it is going to be such a potent container that I am lucky to be a part of as well for people finding that tribe and that connection and that community so that we can make sense of all of this duality is going on and integrate them. And also know that, like you said, Ian, this is, this is how we can fill the void so that we don't have to look to all of our vices. Yeah, thank you, Paige. Um, yeah, I just wanna say one more thing before I drop the bridge between yeah. information. And it's this, before finding fit for service, I felt increasingly alone, increasingly isolated. Like I had fewer and fewer friends. I had fewer and fewer people that I could call when I needed someone. I had fewer and fewer people that I could reach out to. And I think that that step of feeling alone is almost a necessary part of finding a community like this. Unless you've been like born into a really beautiful space where you have like-minded people that support you and lift you up and want the best for you and like are actively encourage you, encouraging you to grow and develop. Unless you have that from birth, like there is going to be a time where you're going to have to transition from the safety net of having people around you that 
are, for lack of a better term, pulling you down. And there's going to be a point where you, we all have to transition from that space of being comfortably uncomfortable and kind of safe mm. to the point where we can feel like we're starting to really identify who we are on our own as individuals. And only from that space of knowing who, of beginning to know who we are as an individual, can we find the kind of tribe and community and family that's going to actually encourage us to be that person. Because if we don't know who we are, right. and we're not showing up how we are, and we're not loving ourselves as we want to be loved and respecting ourselves as how we want to be respected, like how do we expect anybody else to do that for us? Mm -hmm. So there is an uncomfortable point in this process of feeling that sense of loneliness. Definitely. And if you're listening to this and you feel that sense of loneliness and you feel like you're in that transition from the birth canal where everything is so fucking painful and constricted and tight and you feel like you're not seen, but you can start to see yourself. This is what we're building. And this is why we're building it for those people to come together and our applications for 2021 are open now. The first quarter starts in January. We're focusing in on the archetypes of the warrior and the huntress. But beyond that, there's just going to be a space for you to be seen, a space where you can connect with people that are on this same journey. And the website is www becomethebridgebetween.com. You can find us on Instagram at the.bridge.between. And yeah, reach out. We would love to hear from you. If you want to find us individually on Instagram and reach out, I'm at Ian Mills Creative and Autumn is at Autumn Faye Aspen. That's F-A-Y-F-A. Yeah. And yeah, we would love to hear from you. Yay. Well, thank you both so much. This has been so, so beautiful. And I'm so excited. I, of course, have all of that linked in the show notes. And um, I'm so excited to watch you both grow, watch this community grow, and just for people to have listened to this and have that permission. Oh, yeah, I can be all of the things. And um, it doesn't have to be so serious and so scary. <laughs> yeah, we get to have fun too. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode of Spiritual 20s. My name is Paige, and I am so grateful to play even the smallest role in your journey to living a more authentic, more aligned, more wild and free life. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and I'll see you next time.